Can you say cliffhanger? This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with the Practical Parsha Podcast. I hope you are well and enjoying your Hanukkah. For this week's episode, the first word that comes to my mind is the word cliffhanger. You know, when you're reading that book or that serial in a magazine or watching a serial, that sometimes you're left in suspense. You don't know what's going to happen next. And the show ends. And the chapter finished. And the article is done. Until next week's edition. Right? You, you can't sleep at night. In this week's Torah portion, the Torah leaves us in suspense as to the fate of Binyamin, Benjamin, as we're going to get into. So I guess everyone will have to come back next week to finish the story or continue the story of the brothers in Egypt. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomakomadek at gmail.com. I love getting your feedback. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Miketz. The Torah starts off with the dreams of Paro. Paro is the leader of Egypt, and he has two different dreams, which he's unable to get a satisfactory explanation for. The first dream is that he sees seven cows, healthy, good-looking cows, fat cows, standing next to seven skinny and sickly cows. And the seven sickly cows devour the seven healthy cows, but yet they look the same. They still look sick and they still look weak. The second dream of Paro is seven sheaves, good-looking, healthy sheaves, full sheaves, standing next to seven very... Nebuch, the word in Yiddish, is not such good-looking sheaves and not so healthy and not so full. And the seven weak sheaves or the not-such-good-looking grain stalks of grain devour the healthy-looking stalks of grain and they look the same. They don't look any different than they did before. And Paro asks his advisors the meaning of these dreams, but he finds no good explanation. Finally, the chamberlain of the cup beers who had Yosef interpret his own dream, says to Paro that there's a Hebrew servant who knows how to interpret dreams. Paro calls for this Hebrew servant, Yosef. Yosef comes and successfully interprets the different dreams of Paro. He tells him that the seven fat cows and the seven healthy sheaves represent the seven years of plenty that Egypt is about to have and the seven unhealthy cows and seven bad looking sheaves of grain represent seven years of famine which will follow the seven years of plenty significance of the unhealthy cows devouring the healthy cows and not even seeing that they look any different and similarly for the sheaves of of grain represent that the famine will be so severe that the people won't even remember the good years that they previously had. And Yosef doesn't just give an explanation of his dream, he gives Paro advice on what he should do to handle the situation. He tells him that he should set up a person to be in charge during the years of plenty to help stock up the land for the eventual years of famine. And Paro appoints Yosef as viceroy, second in command of the entire Egypt, to oversee the process of stockpiling food for the years of famine which will come after the years of plenty. The Torah continues with the famine coming upon the land of Egypt 
after the years of plenty. And the famine's so bad that it doesn't just affect the land of Egypt, but pretty much the entire world. And Yaakov, hearing that there's provisions in the land of Egypt, tells his sons to go down to Mitzrayim, Egypt, to acquire food. The brothers go down to Egypt to, to get what they need, food and provisions. And Yosef recognizes them right away. But they do not recognize Yosef. Yosef, Joseph, accuses the brothers of being spies. And in order for them to prove their innocence, he demands them to go back to their father's house and bring back this other brother, Benjamin, Benjamin, that they've been talking about to show that they're not really spies and they're not making up a story, that they are 11 brothers. So he says, go back to your father and bring back this brother, Benjamin, so I know you're not spies. The brothers go back to Yaakov and tell Yaakov, Jacob, what, what had happened. And Yaakov refuses to send Benjamin back to Egypt. Very uneasy to do that. He's very uncomfortable and does not want to do that. Until finally, the famine is so severe that he's forced to send his son Benjamin with his son Judah to go back to Egypt to get food for their family. The brothers go back to Mitzrayim, Egypt, and Yosef, after seeing Benjamin, warmly receives them. And he invites them to a, a banquet where they dine together. Yosef still does not reveal his identity to the brothers, and he frames them, specifically his brother Benjamin, planting his special silver goblet in the bag of Benjamin. His goal is to see if the other 10 brothers have repented for their past misdeeds of selling Yosef. Do they still have inside of them the certain jealousness that they had for Yosef, who was born from Rachel, similar to Benjamin. So he is testing the brothers to see if they will save their brother Benjamin or he, they will give them over to him and leave him as a slave. And the parsha finishes with this situation of Yosef telling the brothers that Benjamin, because he stole my cup, he will stay with me, but you could go back to your father. And with Yehuda approaching Yosef to, to plead for his brother Benjamin. The first lesson that I wanted to talk about from this week's Parsha is really so basic and so elementary that it probably gets overlooked by many people. And the, the lesson, it's not just from this Parsha specifically, but it's really have, has been over the, the span of the past few weeks and continues for the next few weeks as well, is that many things in our life is that from the story of Yosef, of the Jews going to Mitzrayim, Right, which is the family of Yaakov, we see that sometimes things that don't make sense to us, really there's a plan. Right? You look at Yosef. Yosef was sold. He was a slave. He was, you know, you can't we can't even imagine what he had, what he went through. But there was a purpose. If Yosef would have never gone to Mitzrayim, there never would have been food. And, you know, the, the, it continues because the Jewish people were destined to go down to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, and that's where we became a nation. We, we, we were forged there. And because of our experience in Mitzrayim and Egypt, we were taken out of Egypt with miracles, with the Exodus, and eventually received the Torah in Harsinai. 
But from the story of Yosef, we see that how everything has its purpose and everything has its plan, everything has its place. There are so many situations which seem catastrophic for Yosef during the course of the story. He was sold. He was in some he was a slave in someone's house. Someone was trying to entice him. You know, anything imaginable, any challenge you could imagine for a young person, he could have just thought his life was over. But yet we see that every movement was for a reason. And when the time was right, that moment he was taken out of prison and elevated to his high position of viceroy of Egypt. And because of that, he was able to save his entire family from the famine. And really this brings to my mind a personal story. You know, there's so many times things happen to us and we're always like, why did that happen? And it's, you know, many times people remember God. It's always God the terrorizer. You know, why is this bad thing happening to me? My great-grandfather, his name was Reb Zarach Spira, of blessed memory, he lived in Hungary. Now, my grandmother always used to tell me that when she was a child, she remembers having different maids in the house, and they lived in a very nice house. And my great-grandfather, what he did for a living was that he was a winemaker, and apparently he was very successful. He was a wealthy man. And there's different stories that they say in the family of different charitable organizations that my great-grandfather was involved in. We'll save those stories for a different time. Very interesting stories. But sometime between World War I and World War II, my great-grandfather, Zarek Spira, lost his entire fortune. Everything. And he owed people money. And people were telling him that he should declare bankruptcy. Declare bankruptcy. Once you declare bankruptcy, you're scot-free. You don't have to pay anyone back after that. And he refused. He did not want to declare bankruptcy and use that loophole to get out of paying the people he owed money to. So what did he do? As anyone who would owe people money in those days needed to make money quickly, he decided to go to America. And he left Hungary before World War II and became a peddler um, in New York City. And slowly but surely, he started paying off his, his loans. And while he was doing this, he started bringing his family over to the United States. Some of his children went to Israel. And eventually, he succeeded in bringing his whole family outside of Hungary. And a few years later, we all know what happened to the Jews of Europe. There was the Holocaust. Six million people were killed, entire families, entire communities. And, you know, you could think that I'm sure my great-grandfather, Abzarach, thought when um, he was going through this that it was a challenging situation and it was hard. And, you know, it's something that could get you down. Like, why did I lose all my money? Why did God cause me that this trouble, this aggravation? And I've been doing what Hashem wants. I'm trying to do the right thing. And this happens to me? This is my reward? And the answer to that is precisely yes. Because you're such a good person and God cared about you, that's why this happened to you. And because he lost all his money, because he didn't declare bankruptcy, that's how he saved his life and he saved the life of his family. And really this is a very important message for us in our lives. 
which we can get from Yosef Atzadik from Joseph, that things that sometimes seem bad, quote unquote, are really not so bad. And it's really just a blip in time because there's many situations in our lives when we look back at a given moment or moments and we see that everything worked out for the best in the end. Sometimes we don't see how it works out for the best. But number one is we have to know that everything Hashem does for us is for, is for our benefit. And it's to bring out the best in us as well. And if we face a hard situation, I'm not you know, putting down someone's challenging situation. And I'm not saying, oh, it should be easy. It's a piece of cake. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking away from that. But we still have to remember, it gives us a little bit of solace and it makes a, a situation easier to deal with when we know that there's a plan and when we know that everything's for our benefit and for, our, for, for the best. And that's something we can draw from, from Yosef Atzadik, that Joseph, even when he was in the darkest moments, he never gave up hope. He always kept going and he always knew that everything was for the best and there was a reason for everything. He had his prophecies, Yosef. He knew that his prophecies would come true. He knew that there was a reason why this was happening. Maybe he didn't understand it, why things they're going like they're going, but he knew that there was a plan and knew there was a mission and he was part of it. And that's something we should always keep in mind when we go through life, that we have different moments. We have challenging moments. We have ups, we have downs. And we should remember those times which are challenging for us, that there's a plan. There's a mission and it's our job to keep pushing and God willing, we'll be able to fulfill our mission and to fulfill our potentials to be the best we can be. Another thought I wanted to share is the connection between this week's Parsha, Parsha's Miketz, and Hanukkah. Pretty much every year, Parsha's Miketz falls out on Hanukkah, the Shabbos of Hanukkah. And there's different explanations as the connection between this week's Parsha and the holiday of Hanukkah. And I wanted to explore that a little bit and take out a lesson from that as well. We know that the miracle of Hanukkah deals with two aspects. It deals with the victory over the Greeks, that this small band of Jewish Maccabees was able to overcome the mighty Greek army and restore sanctity to the temple. But another celebration which you know that's part of Hanukkah and that's the observances of Hanukkah is lighting the menorah. That the, the reason why we light the menorah is because of the miracle of the oil. That the Kohanim, after liberating the, the, the temple, the Beis Amigdash, they found one flask of untouched pure oil. And that it was only supposed to last for one day, but it lasted miraculously for all eight days. And we... We, we commemorate in the prayers about the, vic, the great military victory that the Jewish people had over the Greeks. And the mitzvah of Hanukkah, which is lighting the menorah, commemorates the miracle of the oil. And the question is asked by Rabbi, Rav Palm. We know that in the Talmud it tells us that in the Beis Hamikdash, the temple, there were 10 daily miracles that occurred. And secondly... We know that there's a halacha in Jewish law It said that if everybody, if everybody is contaminated and all the oil is contaminated, then there's leniencies to light with contaminated oil. So the question that Rav Palm is asking is that what's the big deal about the oil? What's the big deal 
about the miracle of the oil, that, they, that it lasted for all eight days. There were miracles all the time in the temple, and they really didn't even need to have this pure olive oil that was untouched and pure and not tame because they could have lit with the impure oil because everything was impure and all the people were impure. So why are we making such a hullabaloo about the fact that the oil lasted for eight days? And number two is about that we found pure oil. And the Pnei Yeshua answers the fact that we were allowed to use impure oil, but yet God still made the miracle of the oil, shows us that the miracle was provided solely from God to the Jewish people to show his love for the nation of Israel, to show them how much he cared about them and how much he loved them. The commentaries explain that during the time of the Greeks and the miracle of Hanukkah, the majority of the Jewish people got caught up and entangled in the Greek culture. And there were Jews that totally became like Greeks, and they were referred to as Hellenists. But after the miracle of Hanukkah and the miracle of the oil, they did teshuva, they returned. They, they came back to being observant Jews following the Torah. And Repah makes an observation that gives us the connection between Parsha's Miketz and Hanukkah. It's not a coincidence. He says many times when couples come back together after a separation, they, they're able to recreate the relationship, but it's very difficult to create that love and harmony as just as the same as it was before, if not better. It's very difficult to get it back to where it was. It does happen, but it's very challenging. Sure, they'll have peaceful coexistence, but the quality of that love that they initially had is, is very rarely restored to what it was. That when a person does teshuva, when a person returns with a whole heart and sincerely, it's not like that. That even though we quote-unquote separated ourselves from Hashem, we maybe cut the cord. When we decide to come back, when we take that step to return, the relationship is the same, if not even better, than what it was before. That's how special our relationship with Hashem is, our relationship with God is. And if you think about it, the miracle of the oil, based on this understanding, is all about this message, this message of love and returning. That the miracle of Hanukkah, where the Jews returned to the service of the temple, they did teshuva. They, they were able to, to return. It shows us that when we take that step forward to come back, our relationship with God is restored to what it was before. That Hashem didn't have to make the miracle. We could have used the impure oil. We know that God only makes miracles that are necessary. And the fact that He showed the Jewish people that the oil burned and burned and burned, when it, even when it wasn't necessary, was showing them that he still loved them. He still cared about them. And the relationship was just as it was before. And if you think about it, the story of Yosef and his brothers is a similar message. Because even though the brothers had wronged Yosef, had been jealous of him, had sold him, had wanted to kill him, Yosef forgave them. He saw that they had done teshuva. 
They had completely returned. They had completely repented. They had changed their ways. They had gotten any trace of envy out of their nisham, out of their soul. And he was able to push away any natural feeling of revenge towards his brothers, any natural feeling of resentment of the abuse that they had given him. Rather, he loved them. He made sure to care for them. And, he, and telling them how much he, how, how he had no hate towards them at all. And just to take this out on a, on a practical level, we have to realize that our relationship with Hashem, we can always fix it up. We're always able to return, to come back, to take that step back. No matter how far we fall, we're always able to come home. And number two, on, on a person-to-person level, man-to-man, we have to remember that when someone else wronged us, it might not be easy to forgive, but we need to try to do that because we're supposed to emulate the ways of Hashem. We're supposed to copy the ways of God. And if God can forgive us, we have the capacity within us to forgive as well. I'm not saying you have to just have to forgive somebody if he didn't try to amend his, his, the past with you to try to fix things up. But if someone does try to fix things up and tries to, to get things back to where they were, we should push ourselves to also forgive, to completely push any hatred out of our heart to restore relationship to what it was, God willing. That's going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomakon with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day and a happy Hanukkah.